Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome to day number two of the teaching on the Holy Spirit, the new birth being filled with the Spirit. Today we're going to talk about the oil of the Holy Spirit and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, how the two work together. Whatever Jesus gives you becomes magnified when you receive the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life and today is session number two. I'm going to talk about something that people don't seemingly understand, but it's very simple in the Word of God to understand it. Who can be filled with the Holy Spirit? There's a controversy, but doesn't the Holy Spirit come to live in us when we're born again? Yes, but basically you don't invite him. You invite Jesus and here comes the Holy Spirit with it. But there is an asking, there is an inviting for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And this is what we're dealing with. This comes after salvation. So turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter eight. We're gonna take a look at verses 14 through 17. We're gonna take three occasions in the book of Acts to find out just who can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as you're finding that, again, I want to welcome all of you that are here. I want to welcome my partners that are here. They've been for so long with me. Some are recent. Some of you have just joined in the past numbers of weeks. I keep getting all these requests from people saying they'd like to become a partner with me, and I welcome you. Thank you for becoming a partner with me, and so many have joined. And again, uh, thank you for what you are giving into this ministry. And so if you'd like to become a partner with me, didn't go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place on there. You can become a partner with me. And I welcome you greatly to join this great team. And the number one thing that God has given to me is not only to get people saved, but also to make disciples of them, prepare people for the ministry of the word of God, not only just in your daily life, but also for pastors, for ministers, those who are developing into ministries. That's exactly what God has called me to do. And I love doing it. So again, welcome. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm called into a full-time ministry. Well, join us anyway. Well, you might be surprised God will open up a door for you. And when you're prepared, doors begin to open up. You'll find a calling for your life. But even if you never do, just to understand the word of God changes your life completely, brings a peace you've never had before, a stability you've never had before. My favorite passage of scripture, Isaiah 33, 6, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your time and the strength of your salvation. So again, this is stabilizing you in the word of God. Well, by now you should have found Acts chapter eight. Let's take a look at verse 14 through 17. It says, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, this is salvation, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come, they prayed for them that he might receive the Holy Spirit for as yet he had not fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, that's in water. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They invited Jesus into their life here in Samaria and then later they sent Peter and John to them who preached and they can now receive the Holy Spirit. And notice they laid their hands on them and now they, those who had been saved under the ministry of Philip, now received the Holy Spirit. Turn to chapter 10. I'm gonna give you three instances all basically saying the same thing. In Acts chapter 10, take a look with me at verse 43 through verse 44. And it says in uh, that verse of scripture, here is Peter preaching in Caesarea in the house of Cornelius. 
And it says to him, that's Jesus, all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was speaking these words, what words? Receiving the remission of sins. Guess what? They just did it. They did it. They did what he was saying while he was preaching it. And while he was preaching these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them who heard the word for they, that's the Jews from Jerusalem, heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The first thing that they did by listening to Peter was receive remission of sins. Then the Holy Spirit fell on them who heard the word because why they were still open to what else does God have for me? And here we have an instance where they are saved and then immediately afterwards are filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter eight, they were saved and then later on heard about the Holy Spirit and received. But in each case, being filled with the Spirit, receiving the Spirit came after they were born again. Let's take a look at Paul in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19. In verses one, two, and six, we're told here in these verses of scripture how that those who were in Ephesus and had received the word of God and been water baptized had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19 verse 1 and 2, it says, it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Your King James says certain disciples, but they were disciples. Disciples are not sinners. They are converts. They're born again. It says, in finding certain disciples, Christians, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Verse six, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They all were first of all saved and then they received the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit came after salvation. The first thing they did, invite Jesus Christ into their life. The second thing they did was to invite the Holy Spirit into their life. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit in their separate ministries are received separately. Now, when you receive Jesus, I will admit it's true. You receive the Holy Spirit also, but you didn't ask for him. You asked for Jesus. Jesus is the author of the new birth and the Holy Spirit comes also to live in you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit who is with you shall future tense be in you. And when, they, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit comes also. But there's a separate receiving of the Holy Spirit for a totally separate ministry. And this is called being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, he comes on you for power to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is found in Acts 1.8, also chapter two and verse three, where it says the Holy Spirit sat upon each of them. And in chapter 10, verse 44, he fell on them all. Chapter 19 and verse six, he came upon them. And so salvation is first of all seen as the blood of Jesus. But then next of all, as far as this analogy I'm teaching you right here, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is seen as anointing oil. So we have the blood and the oil and the blood is what comes first. People receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, their sins are remitted. Their sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. They are cleansed and then afterwards you can receive the Holy Spirit and it's like anointing oil coming into your life. This is the gift for power. The blood comes first, 
the oil comes second. Turn with me to John chapter one, take a look at verses 11 and 12. We're simply looking at some simple verses of scripture describing something so simple, yet there's a multitude of verses to try to tell you about this. In John chapter one, verses 11 and 12, it says this, he, that is Jesus, came to his own, that's the Jews, and his own received him not. This is how salvation comes. Notice they didn't receive Jesus. They didn't receive him as their savior. They didn't receive him as the Messiah. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave power to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. This is the born again experience. Receiving Jesus, he comes to live in you and he gives you power to become a child of God. That power is the power of the Holy Spirit coming in you to make you a child of God. So the world is not born saved. Everyone is born spiritually dead. We're all born in sin. There is the world, that's the unsaved, and then there's you, the saved. So this is the two groups of people in the world. God doesn't see us as black or white or Asian or Hispanic. God doesn't see us as tall or short, men or women. He doesn't see us as any of that. You had no choice in that. But what you do have is you're born into this world and you have a choice to get out of it. And so those who are unsaved are called the world. And then there is you, that is the saved. And so when we get born again, we become the saved. And who can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? The world or those that are saved? Well, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, you can turn there with me if you want, this also gonna come on the screen. But I want you to take a close look at this verse of scripture. Luke chapter 11 and verse 13 says, if you then being evil, were born in evil, were born in the fallen nature of Adam, know how to give good gifts to your children, even if you're not saved, Jesus said, you give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want you to notice something. If he's your heavenly father, you've asked Jesus to become the Lord of your life. He now compares the world to those that are in God's family. He compares fathers of the world who have not received Jesus and yet can love their children. How much more will your heavenly father of which you have received him as savior, give the Holy Spirit to those that his children who ask him. So like a natural father, God has saved more good gifts for his children. God has saved the gift of the Holy Spirit for the children who ask him. And that's all he asks of us is once we receive Jesus, now we ask him for the Holy Spirit. So what does this simply mean? The world can't receive the Holy Spirit. The world can receive Jesus and then they can receive the Holy Spirit, but Jesus must be received first. Let me qualify that even further in John 14, who cannot receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We just pointed out to you that children of God can ask him for the Holy Spirit and he'll give it to them. But what about children of the world. John 14 verses 16 and 17, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper or comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. They can receive Jesus. They can't receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be very shortly inside of you. He says here again, you're the ones that can receive the Holy Spirit. When you got born again, you invited Jesus Christ into your life. The Holy Spirit came along to give you eternal life, but the Holy Spirit simply saying, receive me also. I have a separate ministry 
ministry for you, and that's called being filled with the Holy Spirit, manifested by speaking with tongues and opening up to you the gifts of the Holy Spirit and a whole new life you never even dreamed of. So God's gift to the world and to his children is the new birth. Jesus Christ is God's gift to the world, but the Holy Spirit is God's gift to his children. Jesus' cleansing blood comes first, and then the anointing oil for power comes after that. Just like the empty tomb came first, then 50 days later, Pentecost came. There's a time period between you receiving the resurrected Jesus Christ, even confessing the resurrection, and then when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. It may be five minutes, 10 minutes, or 50 days, like the Pentecost was after the tomb was empty. So receiving Jesus gives you eternal life and gives you heaven, but receiving the Holy Spirit's power in this lifetime brings a little bit of heaven on earth. The supernatural power of God begins to work in you just like it did in Jesus after he was baptized in the Jordan River. I'm simply telling you, Salvation prepares you more for heaven, but the Holy Spirit prepares you more for the life on this earth. The Holy Spirit increases what Jesus gave you at salvation. I'm gonna qualify that for you. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, but there's so much more he wants to do. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, the peace you received at the new birth suddenly begins to be magnified. The joy you received at the new birth suddenly gets magnified, and so do a lot of other things. We'll be taking up this more right after the break. The Holy Spirit has always been with man, but only in a limited ministry before Pentecost. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit lived in a temple made with hands and came on individuals at certain times to do a certain task. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, not just to let us in, but to let the Holy Spirit out. From that day until this, the Holy Spirit desires to live in every person who will be born again. In Life and Power, Bob Yandian carefully examines the Holy Spirit's ever-present role in our daily life, the types and shadows that explain His ministry, and how the world was changed when He came into the upper room, filling New Testament believers with boldness and power. Life and Power is available in book form as audio CDs or downloads, video DVDs, or as both audio and video on a USB flash drive. To order Life and Power, visit bobyandian.com slash lifeandpower. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by His Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyandian.com. 
first half of this broadcast, I brought you two truths. Number one is when you're born again, you ask Jesus to come into your life as your Lord and Savior. Later, after that, you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life, and he comes to you with power from on high. Now, again, we pointed out when you ask Jesus to come, the Holy Spirit accompanies him, but there's a separate asking for the Holy Spirit in your life of which he comes and fills you with the Holy Spirit and brings power into this life, miracle working power and healing power, just like Jesus Christ had, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good healing all that was oppressed of the devil. We have that opportunity too, to invite the Holy Spirit into our life. And at that time, we begin to move in the miraculous things of God. This is taught really, like I said, two things. Number one, you're either a child of God or you're not a child of God. You are part of this world. But when you're a child of God, that's because you ask Jesus to come into your life. Then you can ask him, the Holy Spirit, to become your miracle working power giver. He will come into your life. And so just like I said, again, the resurrection was separated 50 days later, we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There's a time period between inviting Jesus into your life and inviting the Holy Spirit into your life. And the thing I left you with is basically the Holy Spirit in this life magnifies everything God did for us at the new birth. Suddenly the new birth makes more sense than ever before. The power Jesus walked in makes more sense than ever before. And really, to be honest with you, inviting the Holy Spirit into your life is mainly just for this life. You don't have to have him and his power and his miracle working power to go to heaven. All that is wrapped up in the new birth. Inviting Jesus into your life, that's all it takes for heaven's door to open up for you when you die in this earth. But you know what? God wants you to live on this earth and show other people how to receive Jesus. And the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit is really God showing through you the miracle power of God can show people they need Jesus too. And so healings, all these other things Jesus did was merely something not only to heal a person, but to also show people that power that now they can receive Jesus as Lord and Savior too. So really the miracle powers you operate in is an open invitation. It's part of the great commission to get people saved. Matthew chapter eight, I want you to turn there with me. We're gonna take a look at verses one through four. Nothing could typify a sinner more in the word of God than a leper. It's one of the greatest things that God uh, shows in the word of God. The healing of a leper shows God's compassion and power for the unbeliever. In Matthew chapter eight, take a look at verses one through four. It says, when he, that is Jesus, came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him and a leper came and worshiped him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said, see that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. That's a testimony to the priests. And the testimony was of the healing power of God. First of all, uh, in its day, leprosy was just considered uncurable. Today we found cures for it, but back then it was the uh, AIDS of its day. It just had no way out of it. And the people that had uh, had the disease 
leprosy were taken outside the camp and they lived in a camp with themselves. And so that's where the expression in the Bible came that sinners are seen as those outside the camp. The first miracle performed on an individual in the New Testament and included the laying on of hands was the healing of this leper. Until then, Jesus, until this time, multitudes were healed. Jesus didn't pray for individuals. In Matthew chapter four, verses 23 through 25, we are told that Jesus healed in the masses and the masses that came to him, he just spoke his word and they were healed and great miracles came. But the first time he ever ministered to an individual, reached out and touched them was here in Matthew chapter eight. When he came down from the mountain, where he had preached the Sermon on the Mount and now comes back to where the multitudes were. But we have a number of individual recordings here of healings in Matthew chapter eight and Matthew chapter nine. Why was the lepers cleansing the first miracle recorded for an individual in the word of God? The reason why is a leper is a type of all of us. We are born sinners and leprosy is a type of sin. Leprosy begins in the blood and then manifests itself outwardly as sores. Leprosy appears outwardly because the person is already a leper. The leper doesn't know they are a leper until these uh, signs begin to come. The sores begin to come outwardly and leprosy appears in the skin. There might've been some kind of feeling on the inside like something wasn't right, but when leprosy appeared on the outside, it was because it was already on the inside. In other words, you are a leper, before you know you're a leper. And since leprosy is a type of sin, you're not a sinner because you sin, you sin because you're already a sinner. And oftentimes people don't understand that. They think, well, I mean, the preaching is in, well, you're a sinner, so you've sinned and uh, because you've sinned. And that's just not true. You're not a sinner because you sin. You're born a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. The healing of every disease compares to salvation from sin, but not like leprosy. I'm gonna say that again. The healing of every disease. Disease is seen as sin, part of the fall. And Jesus died for both on the cross. Only one is eternal. The salvation of your sins is eternal. The healing of your sicknesses is just temporary for this life. But you can't do either one of them. You can't heal yourself, you can't save yourself. And this is why Jesus took leprosy and healed it as the very first case because it was considered incurable. No doctor could do anything with it, no one could. And so the person was banished outside the camp. So leprosy again is the only disease that when healed, it's called cleansed. Every other disease was called being healed, but leprosy was separated from all other sicknesses and leprosy was cleansed. Crowds seeing a leper didn't cry out sick, they yelled out unclean. The leper did not ask to be healed, he asked to be made clean. This leper that came to Jesus said, make me clean. And Matthew tells us his leprosy was cleansed, not healed. Although we would say he's healed, but the term used is cleansed. The same thing used for the removal of sin in your life. Jesus even separated leprosy from all other diseases. In the Great Commission, he told his disciples, heal the sick and cleanse the leper. Matthew chapter 10, verses seven and eight. And this is also brought out in the great commission given to us. Cleansing comes from Jesus' blood, but healing comes from his stripes. And we find here in this verse of scripture that if healing comes from his stripes, Jesus said this one disease actually is linked more to the blood of Jesus Christ because it's a symbol of being born again. Curing a leper was a miracle, instant 
not a healing which was progressive. When pronounced cured, the leper was examined by a priest and not a physician. How key that is. Only two lepers were cured in the Old Testament, but neither one of them had seen a priest. Neither one. We find that God quarantined Miriam. Once she was discovered and leprosy came all over her, God quarantined her, but she never saw a priest. And after her quarantine, she came out and she was totally cleansed. Naaman was a Syrian, a Gentile, and even if he had been sent to, an, uh, to one who was a priest, he wouldn't need to go because that was only for the Jewish nation. So we have two recorded cases in the Old Testament. And again, neither one of these saw a priest. So what that means? With this one that was healed under Jesus' ministry, no priest ever saw a cleansed leper or open to the passage we're going to see in Leviticus chapter 14. When the priest saw the cleansed leper, he didn't know what to do. This man was sent to the priest. Jesus said, go to show the priest what it is. And again, this probably this man didn't even know why. He was just sent there because it's found in the word of God that when a man is cleansed of leprosy or a woman, then they are sent to the priest to be checked out. When the priest saw the cleansed leper, he didn't know what to do. He probably had to find the passage in Leviticus and blow the dust off of it. Why? It had never been opened throughout the Old Testament, never been opened. And this cleansed leper was a testimony to the priesthood. What was the testimony? Messiah has come. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 14. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 8. And here we have the story of the cleansing of a leper. In Leviticus chapter 14, let's take a look. The whole context is verses 1 through 18, but let's take a look at the first seven verses here. And here in Leviticus 14 verses 1 through 7, it said, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the laws of the leper in his day of his cleansing. He will be brought to the priest. The priest will go out of the camp, examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, the priest will command to be taken for him who is clean, two living birds, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop, and the priest will command one of the birds to be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. And the living bird, he will take the cedar wood, the scarlet, and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over running water. And he will sprinkle it seven times on him who's cleansed from leprosy, pronounced him clean, and let the living bird loose in the open field. Why two birds? Because the two birds stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and us. One was killed, one was allowed to go free. The one that was killed, the blood of that one bird that was killed was sprinkled with water over the living bird and the living bird got to go free. Two sacrificed birds. The word bird in the Hebrew means a sparrow, the cheapest of all birds. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29 says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? That's three-eighths of a cent. Notice this, the day of his cleansing in verse two, the priest observed him now clean and the cured leper was given two birds by the Levites to be offered. One bird was slain, he represents Jesus. The other one lived, that's us. And the slain bird's blood was mingled with running water into a bowl and the living bird was dipped into the bowl of the blood and the water and the living bird was then set free because whom the son has set free is free indeed. The priest sprinkled blood on him seven times, declaring him clean. This was the one who had been there after examining him, finding there was no leprosy. And we're not told how he was healed. He just one day saw himself healed. And he came in and, and he was now allowed to come into the camp after a priest went out to check on him, could bring him in. This process went on. And then at that point right there, the, all the hair was shaved off his body. 
off his head. He was bathed and washed his clothes. He moved into the camp at this time. After he was shaved, after he was cleansed, he came into the camp and he was seen for seven days. He was not allowed to go into his tent. He stayed outside his tent for seven days so everybody passing by could see this man had truly been healed. And on the eighth day, he reshaved his head, his beard, his eyebrows. He bathed and washed his clothes. Let me tell you what happened after that. After that, on the eighth day, they took two more sacrifices and offered it for him. And the eighth day was a day of cleansing for him. And on the eighth day, here's what happened. They took and they put uh, blood on him. The priest put blood on his body. And then on top of the blood after that, they placed oil. Notice what was placed on there first blood was placed, and then oil on top of that. In other words, the blood came first. The blood is the only thing that could touch the body. The oil could not. It was holy oil, but the blood touched it, and then the oil was put on top of the blood because the blood was considered holy. The blood represents the new birth, and the oil on top of the blood represents the fact that only a person who has received the blood can receive the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive him, but we can. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you been born again? If you have been born again, then you're qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. Why don't you open up your life and say, Father, I've received Jesus, but right now I wanna receive the Holy Spirit and move into that miracle working power that you have for me. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.